Welcome. It is good to be with you in this hour. It really is. And I am really excited about tonight and the evening service at our church on Sunday night, Palm Sunday. I'm, I, I hope tonight you have joined us and I hope to be a blessing for you again in this hour tonight, coming to you from my kitchen, believe it or not. And uh, we moved the uh, preaching to my kitchen and I do pray that it'll be a blessing to you. We've done it due to the current situation with the virus in our country and and uh, I do pray, though, that you would get much out of this. I hope that you'll get a Bible, sit down and listen, and give us your attention. If you don't have your Bible, get your iPad, your cell phone, or something, and and uh, just take some time out and sit here, and let's get into the Word of God together. And again, we're going to do this until this situation is over with, and we believe it's safe for our church family to meet back together. Again, the reason we're doing this is for the safety of our church family. Now, let me just say one thing, uh, one announcement tonight. Uh, we have um, uploaded on our um, on our Facebook page a video with Dr. David Jeremiah. And I would encourage you to go out to our Facebook page there. I know you're looking at it tonight, but also find the video by David Jeremiah. And uh, it's about 21, 22 minutes. I think it's 21 something or something like that. It's from YouTube. and uh, But uh, there is a video there that I would love for you to be able to watch. I watched it yesterday and it was an encouragement to my heart. It's an interview with David Jeremiah about a book he wrote a while back. Uh, it doesn't deal with the virus today, but I thought it was something that would really be good to give you something tonight, just something extra. And so we've shared it out on, on our Facebook page. So let me encourage you to go do that. Now, we want to open in prayer tonight. Again, there are many folks we need to pray, pray for. And uh, people that have the coronavirus or the COVID-19, I want you to pray for them and pray for healing. Let's pray that God will bring healing to them and uh, touch them. And also there are others that have some other situations going on. They don't have the virus, but maybe they've got something else going on. And some of these other diseases, pray for those that have cancer, those that have Parkinson's, those that have dementia. I know those are things that have been in our church lately. Um, we had recently several folks that have gone through cancer and thank God they've been healed. And so let's pray that the Lord would give us somebody with a cure for these diseases and, and then for this virus just to take it away completely, take it away. But again, pray for all those that are sick, going through things. Also pray tonight that God will protect our first responders, our medical personnel, also our police, all the sick. Uh, again, pray for our leaders that God will bless them and help them and pray that they would get along. Again, pray that they would get along and work together. It's not a time for politics. It's not a time to, uh, you know, to try to destroy each other. It's a time for people to get along and work because people are suffering and that's what counts. And, and I pray that God will touch these leaders in our country, these politicians, the, all the way up from our local government to the state government, to the federal government. I pray that the Lord would touch these leaders and, and uh, let them make this something to try to help people out. And uh, again, tonight, pray for those that are lost and those that are spiritually needy tonight. And also pray for those that are going through uh, feelings of helplessness tonight. They're feeling, um, you know, down over this virus and over what's going on. And so pray for those. So as we pray, let's pray and then we'll get into the word of God tonight and hopefully share something good with you tonight that you can really grab. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. And I pray that the Holy Spirit right now would do a work. Father, whoever is listening to me tonight, whoever listens to this video later on, Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would touch them. Father, I pray for those on the podcast that you would touch them. Father, I just pray you give them a great blessing for tuning in tonight, tuning in and listening and watching this video. And Father, I pray that you'd bless them mightily. Father, many people tonight 
have burdens on their heart. Many are concerned about this virus. I pray that your hand would be upon them and help them tonight. Father, I pray you give them peace of heart. Help them to realize you're in control and that you're there for them. Help them to look to you. You said, let not your heart be troubled. But again, now, Father, we pray that you bring healing to those that have the disease, healing for the other diseases. Father, we pray that you take it away from our country. We pray that the Holy Spirit would do a work tonight. We know you're the great physician. You can do miracles tonight. And I pray, though, that you would just deliver our country and our world from this thing. And Father, I pray that you would bring the economies back. I pray that you would help people that are hurting tonight. And Father, again, give us a cure for these diseases, all of the diseases. And Father, I just pray again, you bless our doctors, nurses, bless all of our first responders, bless our politicians, the leaders in local government, state government, federal government, help them to get along. And Father, I pray you'd help them to work together for the welfare of the people, not their own personal agenda. And Father, if there's somebody on their own personal agenda tonight, I pray you'd take them out of office. I pray you remove them. Let them get voted out of office. Let them get voted out. And Father, just help us to have leaders that will care about people above themselves. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, I want to take your, tonight, if you would, take your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And get you to look there with me tonight, if you would, please. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And um, I want you to go there with me tonight. And uh, I've got to tell you tonight, I'm kind of excited about this, but at the same time, uh, I've got to tell you, the message did not go where I intended for it to go. I don't know if that makes sense, but when you study the Bible and you get the idea for a message, one of the things as a preacher you need to do and pastors need to do is when they look in the Bible, they get the idea for a message, they've got a text. What they need to do is follow where the text leads them. Yes, we may have ideas of points that may sound real good and things like that, but what we need to do is follow the text and the leading of the Holy Spirit because what we need to do is the Bible says preach the word, not your idea, my idea, not my opinion, somebody else's opinion, but we need to preach the Bible, the word of God. And that's what I want to do tonight. Now, I do, uh, I, I, I got to tell you, the message again did not go where I wanted it, uh, where I first originally intended for it to go. Uh, I have actually added two. So probably what I'm going to do is put two messages together. And uh, the first will be tonight, and then next Sunday night, if everything goes right, I'll preach another message uh, uh, with the same title. Because tonight I want to talk to you about the times in which we live. The times in which we live. And I want you to look there, 2 Timothy chapter 3, I want you to look down at verse 1. And look down at verse 1, he says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Notice what he says. For, and, and that's very important, by the way, that last phrase, uh, in the last days, perilous times shall come. I'm gonna. I'm, I want to share something out of there that I thought was very interesting. Then notice it says, "For verse two, four men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitor, heady, high-minded." lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, the times in which we live is the title tonight. The times in which we live. Now, if you've listened to some of these messages, some of you might realize that one of the first messages I preached when we made the changes 
and decided to go to um, to to cut down to where um, because of the virus to cut down our services. I remember the first Sunday we announced that you know stay home. Basically, we are going to be open, but if you've got this, please stay home. And then we cut down and cut down. And uh, but one of the first messages when we started making these changes due to the virus and started going to live streaming only here is uh, I preach from from Second Timothy chapter three and verse one. That was kind of the jump off point for the message. I preached a message from here. Well, in this hour, I want to go back to that. Now, I want to look at the passage. And this passage that you're looking at with me tonight refers to a period of time known as the last days, the last days. Notice he says, this know that in the last days, perilous times shall come, the last days. Well, folks, what I want to point out to you tonight is that you and I live in those last days. We live in these last days. The days you and I are living in right now are that Bible time period known as the last days. Now, according to Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two, the last days started with the first coming of Christ. You say, what do you mean by the first coming of Christ? When he was born in Bethlehem, that's what we're talking about. When he was born in Bethlehem, lived on this earth and went to the cross, died, buried and rose again. That is when the last day started, when Jesus came to this earth. Now, our belief, my personal belief, is that these last days spoken of in 2 Timothy chapter 3 will end with the return of Jesus Christ. That will end with the return. But that's that, that's a whole other message. The point I want you to understand tonight is that you and I live in these last days. Catch that. You and I live in these last days. Now, with that thought in mind, I want you to think with me about the time in which you and I live. These last days, this time in which you and I live. And tonight, I want to give you three thoughts. I, I intended to give you about five or six, but like I said, we're going to have to divide this up a little bit because there's some other things I want to share from my heart with you if I can. But I want to give you some thoughts tonight about these last days and the times in which you and I live. Now, let me give you three things tonight. Number one, this is a time of trouble. This is a time of trouble. Think about that. Folks, you and I live in troublesome times, do we not? Yes, we do. We live in troublesome times. Let me just tell you, before the, the, the virus that we're all facing now came up, we still lived in troublesome times, did we not? You can answer that yes. You can say, yes, Brother Scott, we did. We lived in troublesome times. Now, I want you to understand what he's talking about when, he, when I talk about troublesome times. Look at the word down there, perilous. He said, this know also in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, I want you to think about that word perilous real quick, the word perilous. The word perilous there uh, has several meanings to it. Now, let me give you some of the meanings. If you look the word perilous up, you will find these meanings. Um, it, it has the idea of difficult. It has the idea of dangerous. And it has the idea of troublesome. Let's stop right there. Those three things, difficult times, troublesome times, dangerous times. And folks, I got to ask, and you can answer this right where you're at. Does that sound like the days in which you and I are living in right now? They're difficult times. Uh-huh. You can answer that. Are they dangerous times? Yes, they are. Are they troublesome times? Are a lot of people troubled by what's going on? Yes, they are. So that we live in these perilous times. But let's take that a step further. Notice again, verse 1. But I want you to notice how this verse is written, because this verse is written in a very specific way that gives you an idea and, and kind of tells you what he's talking about. 
Now, I hope you notice what he said. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Did you Have you ever sat down and just looked at how that's written? I, I love the way the Bible does things. I love the way the Bible is written. And if you and I will take time to just sit down and read what the Bible says, boy, we can dig out so much truth and see so many things here. But one of the things that comes out here is if you'll notice this, notice he says in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now think about that. Perilous times shall come. And notice the word times is plural. Did you catch that? These dangerous or these difficult or these troublesome times will come. Now think about this. While we live in the last days, times of difficulty, times of danger, times of trouble will come. Consider that. Times of trouble will come. The word times there can be viewed to re be referring to epics or eras. In other words, it's like while we live in these last days, there will be specific eras or times of danger and difficulty. The idea is, yes, we live in the last days. It's not that the entire last days are going to be difficult, even though they will. But what he's saying here is during this last day, there will be different time periods or different eras of difficulty. There will be different time periods or different eras of, of danger. There will be different time periods or different eras of, of trouble. We will face that. In other words, while we live in these last days, there will be specific eras or times of danger and difficulty. He's referring to specific times that will arise during the last days, times that will be worse than at other times, times of danger, that times where it will be far more dangerous than at other times, times where it will be far more troublesome than at other times, times where it will be harder than at other times. Did you catch that? In other words, there are going to be times that jump up that are a lot harder here and there as we live in these last days. That's the idea that we are seeing here. No, he said, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Dangerous times, difficult times are going to pop up here and there. Troublesome times are going to pop up here and there. Now, why will these bad times, why will these difficult times and dangerous times arise? Well, look at verses two, three, and four. Notice he says four. Did you catch that? He said the reason, the reason these times are going to jump up is because of this right here. It's because men shall be lovers of their own selves. In other words, people are going to care about themselves, not anybody else. And boy, do we live in that day and age, right? Where people care about themselves, they don't care about anybody else. And then we can, by the way, I'm not going to define every one of these words, but notice what he says. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. You know, we see that today. People want what others have. They want, want, want. You know, boasters, you know, these are people that that boast and, and talk about themselves, how great they are. Proud, pride's a problem today. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Do you think we have that today? Uh, unthankful, yes. Unholy, yes. Breakers, false accusers. Does anybody ever false, accuse, false, uh, accuse somebody falsely? Yes, you know. Incontinent, that is no self-control. You know, fierce, despises of those that are good. If you try to live right, you know, what do they do? You know, people will hate you for that. Oh, yeah, you're one of those that does right, right? You're one of those that always uh, tells the truth and, 
you know, and, and, uh, 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 Verse four, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Do you see why we're going to have those hard times? Why there's going to be dangerous times? I, you know, I almost look down here and you can say because of people, right? There will be times that come up because this is what's going on, because this is how people are living today. That's why we're going to have a lot of these times. But now let me just say something right here. So he says we're going to live in troublesome times. We're going to live in times of danger. We're going to live in times of distress and heartache and hardship. We're going to live in those times. Now, folks, these times should not shock us. These times should not shock the child of God or shock believers. Why? Number one, we have the biblical warning here. I mean, right here, we're told, hey, these times are going to come and, and that shouldn't that shouldn't blow us away. But the second reason that, that it shouldn't shock us, because Jesus told us that. Jesus told us that these times are going to come, did he not? What do you say in John 16 and, and verse 33? John 16 and verse 33, and I'm trying to get there in my Bible. And uh, John 16 and verse 33, Jesus said these words. He said, these things have I spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Did you hear what he said? He said, in the me, you can have peace, but in the world, you're going to have what? Tribulation. You're going to have trials. You're going to have troubles. You're going to face these things. Jesus said that. He said that. So it shouldn't shock us that these times come. I know some people today, well, Brother Scott, I'm saved. I shouldn't have any problems. My friend, if you're saved, you got a big problem. you got a big enemy called Satan, and he's out roaring about seeking if he can devour you. And you and I need to be on guard for that. But can I also add something right here? And here's something I want to say. As I thought about this point and I thought about this, this is the first thing that jumped in my mind. You say, what is that? I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful tonight. I'm thankful tonight. Yes, we're going to have trouble in this world. Yes, dangerous times are going to come. But I am thankful. You say, wait a minute, Brother Scott. How can you be thankful in the midst of these dangerous times? Well, I'm thankful that these last days were, will not be like a day that is coming in the future. You say, what? I am thankful that these last days that you and I live in, even though they are dangerous, even though they are troublesome, even though they can be difficult at times, they will not be like the days are going to come that the whole world will face one of these days. You say, what kind of day is that, Brother Scott? Well, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about that. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, Jesus said this, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time no nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Did you hear what Jesus said there? There is a day coming like the world has never faced before. There is a day coming. One of these days, there is a time of trouble coming to the earth like has never been before. I know you say, wait a minute, bro, Scott, we're living in a bad time right now. Yes, we are. But there is something worse coming down the pike, folks. There is something worse going to come one of these days. You say, what is that? Well, one day Jesus is going to come. One day Jesus is going to come and he's going to rapture his church out. Oh, glory. Won't that be a great day? One of these days, Jesus is coming. He's going to take the church out. Then after the rapture takes place and the child of God, all the saved are gone. Sometime after that, we don't know how long, whether it's going to be a day or a week or six weeks or eight weeks or months or whenever. But we know this. After that, shortly after that, there'll be a peace treaty with Israel made. And upon that peace treaty, that will set in motion a time of tribulation on this earth like the world has never year. 
and that is known in Bible prophecy as the tribulation period. That tribulation period will last seven years, folks, seven years, and it will be a time of trouble like the world has never seen. Now, if you want to know more about it, read Revelation 6 through 19. I wouldn't suggest you read it, you know, just before you go to bed at night. I heard somebody else say that, but let me encourage you to read it. I mean, it's a time of trouble coming like the world has never seen. But thank God tonight, thank God, thank God, child of God, if you're saved, if you know Christ, you're not going to be here. What a blessed thought. You're not going to be here. Why? Because you've been saved. You've been born again. Can I ask you tonight, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you know Jesus? Folks, these days we live in will be a time of trouble, but thank God that we're not going to go through the time that is far worse than this. My friend, do you know Jesus tonight? Do you know him? And child of God, even though we have, we live in this day of trouble, we have somebody that's never going to leave us nor forsake us. And if you're going through this time of trouble, to, and, and since all of us are going through this time of trouble tonight, you and I need to realize that we have somebody that's always going to be with us, and that's the Lord. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So number one, we live in troublesome times. The times in which we live are troublesome times. Number two. Now, is this a time of trouble? Number two, this is time of powerless religion. This is a time of powerless, powerless religion. You notice in verse one, what, he, what did he say there? In uh, 2 Timothy chapter four, verse one, he said, this know also that in the last time, perilous times shall come. Notice, but during these times, there will be those in verse five, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. What's he talking about there? He's talking about powerless religion. Notice the word there, having a form of godliness. The idea of the word form is a forming or a shape. You could say an appearance of, an appearance of. Folks, I believe what you can say right here when you look at verse five is that this verse refers to people who are religious, but there's no root. They're not real. Did you catch that? They've got a religion, but it's not real. In other words, it's kind of like, uh, you know, they, they've just got this outward shell, but there's nothing on the inside. See, well, we live in a world where there's a lot of religious activity, but there's nothing on the inside. And, and if you want to say it this way, there are a lot of people running around who are religious, but they are lost. They do not know Jesus as their Savior. They have a religion but they do not have the life of God. They do not have the life of God. Folks, what you have right here in verse five is a warning. It's a warning. It's a warning against false religion during the last days. A warning against false religion during the last days. And remember what he said in 1 Timothy chapter four? 1 Timothy chapter four, verse one, he said, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, folks, think about that. That's hard. In other words, there is false teaching out there that is the root that, or excuse me, has its root in demonic activity. Boy, now that's a scary thing, is it not? That there are people out there being taught things that have their root in demonic activities, that demons influence. That is scary. That is scary. But folks, that's the day you and I live in. A day of false doctrine. 
a day where demon activity is spreading falsehood, a day where demon activity is at work trying to keep people from hearing the truth of the gospel. Why? He has them involved. Those demons have them involved in false religion. Folks, as believers, as a child of God, number one, we need to be on guard for false teaching. We need to be on guard for false teaching. Folks, there's false teaching out there. There are many voices out there saying a lot of things, saying a lot of things. I'll never forget years ago, I went and I I, uh, I, uh, I was thinking about leaving a church and I I uh, sent my resume to a church and and they called me and wanted me to come preach and I, I met with a pulpit committee. And that afternoon when I met with the pulpit committee, they asked me, said, what is your thoughts about this certain belief? And I said, well, I believe it's false doctrine. And one of the guys looked at me and said, well, Brother Scott, you need to be careful. There's some people on here that that believe that. And and I just looked at him and said, well, let me ask you a question. If it's not true, what is it? What is it? Folks, you and I got to be on guard for false teaching. It can invade the church. And you and I got to be on guard for false teaching. It can invade your home. It can invade your belief system. Be on guard for false teaching. And number two, not only do we need to be on guard for false teaching, we need to be grounded in the word of God. Folks, we need to get in the Word of God and be grounded in the Word of God. Notice what the Word of God says. We need to read it. We need to memorize it. We need to study it. We need to look and see what the Word of God is. We need to be grounded so that we know what we believe. We need to be grounded in the Word of God, grounded in it. And then number three, not only do we need to be on guard for false teaching and grounded in the Word of God, we need to be proclaiming the truth of the gospel proclaiming the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, people need to hear about Jesus today. They need to hear the gospel, the good news of how Jesus Christ died for sinners. I was buried, I rose again the third day. Folks, people need to hear that today. People need Jesus. There's false religion out there trying to trap people and bring them into their fold. We need to be proclaiming the gospel. Folks, believers in the book of Acts faced hard times. They faced difficult days. Yet they made a great impact upon their world for Jesus Christ. Folks, think about it and remember this. Religion by itself has no power. It will not save. But Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ does. Jesus and the gospel does. You know, uh, over the years, I've I pastored. I've been pastoring now several years. And, and one of the greatest joys of my life is to see people get saved. One of the greatest thrills, when you see somebody come to Christ and make Jesus their Savior, well, that'll just thrill your heart. That'll thrill a whole church. But you know, some of the most amazing conversions I've seen people getting saved are church members, people that have been brought up in church and claim to be saved. And I'll never forget several years ago, I preached a message one time and, and a guy stepped out over here on the left side, stepped out and walked down and came up and I went down and met him and he's a member of our church. And I walked over there and I said, what can I do for you? And he said, Brother Scott, I've never truly been born again. I need to get saved. And I said, really? And he said, yes, I can relate to that. I played games in church for several years. Folks, there are a lot of people today that have a religion. They're a member of a church, but they've never been saved. My friend, do you know Christ? Can you say yes? Folks, there's a lot of false teaching out there. Like I said, we need to be on guard. We need to be grounded in the word. And we need to get the gospel out so people can get saved. Let me give you the third thing tonight. The third thing that we see here, the third thing about the times in which we live. Number one, number three, this is a time of knowledge without truth. This is a time of knowledge without truth. Look at verse seven, ever learning and never able to come 
to the knowledge of the truth. A time of knowledge without truth. Folks, we live in a day of great knowledge. Great knowledge, technological advancements, all kinds of things. Knowledge is going crazy. Folks, just think about it. Not too long ago, not too many years back, there would have been no live streaming these church services. There would have been none of this. Just think, so many years back, there was no Facebook or YouTube or podcast or anything like that. Think of the advancements we have made today, the knowledge that we have now. Think of all the things we see, medical and, and technological, and, and you think about it, we have it out there and construction and things like that. You know, I, I went the other day just to get a get a uh, um, get a uh, anchor for a wall, and I found a new type anchor, and I'm like, man, is that cool or what? Technological advancements, folks. We see it all the time. But we also have a great day of religious knowledge. There's a lot of religious knowledge out there, and there are all kinds of religions and all kinds of knowledge out and about. But sadly, the sad part about it is people are missing, missing the truth of Jesus Christ. They're missing the truth of Jesus Christ. Why are they missing the truth of Jesus Christ? Well, we can sit down and say it's the nature of sin. People have hard hearts, and they don't want to hear the truth of Christ. We could say it's the work of Satan. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, blinding people to the truth and imitating. By the way, he can imitate the servants of Christ and his ministers can, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He can imitate. But then I put down a third thing. I wonder if it's because of the complacency of saints. Believers are not earnest in getting the gospel to people. They're not earnest. Folks, I wonder, have we gotten used to being saved? Folks, we need to get the gospel out. And we need to do it urgently. We need to understand the urgency of the hour. One of the things in our day and age with this virus right now is they keep talking about we got to do this uh, social distancing. We got to do this. We got to do this. Why? Because if it reaches certain people, this virus can kill them. Death, death. We see it on every hand. You know what I wonder? I wonder how many of those who have passed have gone out into eternity without Jesus Christ. Folks, we have more Bibles in, in stores today. We have more religious books. We have more uh, uh, podcasts. We have more Bible teaching. But folks, are we getting people the gospel? You know, you said, well, wait a minute, Brother Scott, we're doing all these things to get the gospel out. Can I tell you something? The best way to get the gospel out is one by one. A few years ago, a guy wrote a little booklet on how to be a soul winner. And you know what he entitled it? One by one, W-O-N by O-N-E, one by one. Can I tell you something, folks? It's that personal touch. If each one of us, if each one who hears this message tonight would learn the truth of how to lead somebody to Christ, learn the ABCs. You know, a person needs to acknowledge their need, believe on Christ and come to call out to him and confess him. If you'll learn those things, you can share Christ with somebody and then ask God to give you a burden. But one by one is the best way of winning people. I'm not against all the TV and the podcast and the live stream, but folks, we need to be winning people to Christ ourselves individually. Folks, people need Jesus in our day and age. 
I know it's a hard day and a crazy day. We live in the last days, but so did the apostles in the book of Acts. But look at what they did. Look at the people they won. You know, if you've been around Christianity any length of time, you've heard the name D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was an evangelist. He was a soul winner. He had campaigns. He did all kinds of things, but he was known for his zeal about winning people to Christ. People would, uh, there's a, even a story told that one time that uh, uh, D.L. Moody was on the street and and uh, and uh, I think it was Moody's either him or Sunday. I think it was D.L. Moody. One time he's on the street and he asked a guy about it. So the guy said, mind your own business. And he looked at him and he said, that is my business. The guy looked at him and said, you must be D.L. Moody. Folks, we ought to have that mindset. Well, D.L. Moody was holding a meeting one time in, in Buffalo, New York, and he was always taking, trying to take advantage of opportunities to win people of Christ. Well, he had the meeting that night, the evangelistic meeting that night, and, and I guess he was returning, to, uh, returning back to where he was staying on a streetcar. And I guess he was having to hang on to one of the straps that hang, hung down in that day and age. And, and one of the riders on the streetcar asked, who the big man was hanging to the strap. Somebody told him that it was D.L. Moody, the famous revivalist. The scoffer turned around. The man turned around. He obviously was a scoffer, but he turned around and asked him a question. And he looked at D.L. Moody and he said this, Hey, Sky Pilot, how far is it from Chicago to heaven? Well, D.L. Moody was known for his wit. And so quick as lightning, D.L. Moody looked back at the guy and said, One step. Will you take it? One step, will you take it? The man pushed his way to the door. He dropped from the rear platform on, onto the street, but Moody followed him, followed him out of the streetcar. He reached the platform, got down to the platform there on the bottom of the streetcar. He funneled his hands and he shouted to the guy as he was running off, one step from Chicago to heaven, one step. Will you take it? D.L. Moody didn't see him again that night. The following night, D.L. Moody preached at the meeting. And at the close of the sermon, D.L. Moody told about the incident on the streetcar. He shared it. And he repeated this phrase, one step, one step, one step from Chicago to heaven. And then he looked out and said, who will be the first to take it tonight. Who will be the first to take it? Out from the rear of the house came a man pushing his way to the platform saying, I'll take that step tonight. I'll take it. You know who it was? It was the man who had asked the question of the sky pilot the night before, how far is it from Chicago to heaven? He decided that night to take that step. My friend, let's be a witness for Christ in this day and age. Yes, we live in a crazy time, do we not? We live in the last days. We live in the last days where dangerous times are going to pop up. We live in the last days where troublesome times are going to pop up. We live in the last days where there are times that are going to come, they're going to be difficult, right? Yes, but you know what? We can still be true to Christ. We can be faithful in serving him and we can still reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, don't let this day discourage you. Don't let this time period knock your faith down. Get into your, get into your Bible and read the word of God.
Commit yourself afresh tonight to Jesus and say, Lord, I want to serve you with everything I have, regardless of what happens in this world. Let's be a little bit like D.L. Moody. Let's be concerned about others and trying to reach others with the gospel and get our minds off ourselves if we can. Get our minds off ourselves. Yeah, we live in difficult days, but we can still be true. We can still be true. Let's pray tonight. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would work tonight. Father, thank you for everyone that listened in. I pray the Holy Spirit would just touch them tonight. Father, somebody that's lost, I pray they'd make Jesus their Savior tonight. Before they go to bed tonight, I pray the Holy Spirit would touch them. Let them get down by their bed and pray, admitting their sin and asking Jesus to save them with that repentant heart and in faith. Father, I pray you'd touch them. Father, for the child of God that may be discouraged tonight, I pray we give them some encouragement tonight in the days in which we live in. Yes, this is dark days, but there's a worse day coming. But thank God if you're saved, we can be sure to miss it. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening.